Well, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Welcome to Love Joy this morning as we once again gather to, to worship and praise God and to hear God's message to us. Let's take a look at the things that are going on in the life of the church. You'll see there under ongoing events, we've got choir tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, we've had several people that uh, we, we've pegged that you need to come. I'm looking at you. Uh, where's some other ones I'm looking at? Where, where's, where's some of those others I need to look at? Um, but we, we, we need you. We need you. Uh, we want you. If you can sing in a bucket, you know, if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, I'll bring a bucket. I'll go find a bucket for you. If you, if you, you sing your best in the shower, we'll rig you a shower curtain up, and, and you can sing in the shower. So uh, come out and just enjoy and have some fun. We have a, uh, a, a great cantata we're trying to put together, so we need all the voices we can get for that. So please come out for that. Uh, you'll see there when the next meetings coming up in November are for, <laughs> for the men and the women. Uh, you'll see uh, the, the, women, uh, the men will meet November 3rd, the women will meet November 14th. Uh, Bible in a year study, uh, we are on First and Second Chronicles this week, uh, so that would be this Wednesday the 26th at 6.30. Uh, we do have an admin council meeting today. Uh, uh, at 6 o'clock, um, we've got to go to the next steps, so we've got to start prepping all that, so uh, if you can, come to that. Uh, and next week, we will be celebrating Austin Webb and his Eagle Scout, and we're looking forward to that. We'll be in the arbor next week, so dress appropriately. When you come to church, make sure that if it's cold or cool, bring a jacket, bring something warm, bring a blanket if you have to. Uh, we're going to be out there because that's where the, the work was done, and we're going to uh, just enjoy that time. Uh, and afterwards, we're going to have a meal. Uh, that is being put together, so we are going to be excited about that, and the women have been asked to provide desserts, so please, uh, women, uh, get a dessert together for that. Uh, worship needs you. If, you. if you would like to do anything and everything as part of the worship, please, please let me know, and we'll get you trained and get you set up and be ready to go. Uh, yesterday, at the barbecue uh, drive-thru, we got around, what, 6,300? Right around that, and we're still got some coming in and out. We still have barbecue left. Yes, we have six, uh, two pound bags and one pound bags back there in the fridge. All right, so we have some two pounders, and we've got lots of one pounders back there in the fridge. Uh, so please, uh, we'll we need to get rid of that. So you know, tell your friends, tell you, tell whoever, say, hey, we got some barbecue left over. Uh, would you like some? Uh, so we'll be can get rid of that. Uh, are there any other announcements this morning? I'd like to say thank you to Michael said it at thanks at, before Sunday school, so I'm gonna say it. At, at, thank you to all the men and the women and anyone that helped do anything with the barbecue yesterday. Um, it worked. It turned out really good. Um, we had. I felt like we did a good success. Um, it, but it takes all of us to put it together, and it was. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Any others? All right, well, seeing no others this morning, let us open with prayer as it is found in your bulletin. Let us pray this prayer together. So let us pray. Amazing God, we come to give you thanks for everything your people have received. May we feel the joy our ancestors felt at their vindication and restoration. Open us to your call 
to witness to your grace in the words and actions of our lives. Help us pray without pride or guile that we may receive the greatest gift of all, being in your presence forever and always. Amen. Let us sing our song of preparation, Near to the Heart of God, 472. be seated. As we continue this morning, uh, if you'll turn in your bulletins to the prayer of confession and words of assurance so that we can come together and confess before the Lord this morning. So let us pray the prayer of confession. We are here, O God, to worship and to pray. We are here to give you thanks for all you have given us. Forgive us when we feel a bit proud of our prayers and our actions as your people. Remake us when we look down on the marginalized and those who are different. Help us see all people as your beloved ones and act accordingly. Help us truly be sons and daughters of your love. Who know what we are called to do? 
no matter our age or our circumstances. Help us dream dreams of justice and the least dreams into reality. And we strive to be your beloved community. When we take your gifts for granted, help us run the race you set before us and help us work to make the world what you created it to be. God hears our prayers and receives our prayers lovingly. God also receives us, just as we are, into God's loving arms that we may feel safe and warm and cherished. God hears our hearts and loves us for it. Amen. As we continue this morning, we now come to a time that we lift up our joys and our concerns so that we can pray with and for one another this morning. Uh, we do have a few to add this morning. Uh, Don Kearns will be going into surgery on Thursday to have his pacemaker replaced. Uh, it's been about almost 10 years, so it's time for an upgrade. Uh, so watch out. He's going to be out and about with an upgraded pacemaker. He may be out and doing things, other things now. Got to watch out. Uh, John Moreland, we need to remember. Uh, also, Troy Hancock, Hancock uh, his hip, and uh, Betty Trantham uh, is still having a lot of knee issues. She's not stable and keeps falling, so we need to continue to remember her uh, with that. Uh, are there others uh, this morning? We do have the Ted Harris family on there, but he's also in the third column as Ted Harris, so it is Ted Harris' family. Just be aware of that. All right, let us take our prayers to the Lord this morning, so let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we have come to this place once again, this place of refuge, this place that is set apart to worship and to praise, a place that is set apart to listen and to hear what you have for us. Lord, this morning we have come with these new names. We also come with this list that we have before us and the list that we have in our hearts and our minds and in our Bibles. Lord, there is so many that are in need. So many that we lift up, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you be with them. And as we pray the prayers for those in need, for those who are need comfort, who need just peace, Lord, guide us to also be the ones who go out and offer that peace, that offer that comfort, that offer that meal. Lord, let our prayers be actions as we do your will as we strive for your perfection. So, Lord, as we have come to this place this day, speak to us. 
stir our souls, set our hearts on fire, and give us the wisdom. The wisdom to go out and share, the wisdom to go out and be the people of God. Lord, as we continue this morning, bless this service. Bless those who are here. Bless those who will see this later. Bless this community, Lord, as we continue to strive to do your will. So, Lord, this morning we ask all these things, and we join the chorus of voices that have over the centuries prayed this prayer millions and millions of times. So we join together saying the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Psalms. Uh, it is printed in your bulletin. It is Psalm 65. So let us join together and read this responsively this morning. God of Zion, to you even silence is praise. Promises made to you are kept. You listen to prayer, and all things come to you. When wrongdoings become too much for me, you forgive our sins. We are filled full by the goodness of your house, by the holiness of your temple. In righteousness you answer us, by your awesome deeds, God of our salvation, you who are the security of all the far edges of the earth, even the distant cities. You establish the mountains by your strength. You are dressed in raw power. Calm the roaring seas, calm the roaring waves, calm the noise of the nations. Those who dwell on the far edges stand in awe of your acts. You visit the earth and make it abundant, enriching it greatly by God's stream full of water. Drenching the earth's furrows, leveling its ridges, you soften it with rain showers, you bless its growth. And crown the year with goodness, your paths overflow with rich food. Even the desert pastures drip with it, and the hills are dressed in pure joy.
As we continue this morning, let us stand and sing as the offering is brought forward. so grateful that your name and then claim us as your beloved ones. We thank you with all our hearts for the cleansing rain in our souls. As we offer you what we have, our resources, our time, our energy, our very selves for your ministry in the world. Amen. You may be seated. Our second scripture today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 and 16 through 18. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 and 16 through 18. I'm already being poured out like a sacrifice to God, and the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. At last, the champion's wreath that is awarded for righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. He's giving it not only to me, but also to all those who have set their heart on waiting for his appearance. No one took my side at my first court hearing. Everyone deserted me. I hope that God doesn't hold it against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that the entire message would be preached through me and so all the nations could hear it. I was also rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil action and will save me from his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and always. Amen. And our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke Chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Hear now what the Gospel of Luke has to say. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I am not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, 
and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, now as we settle into the time of listening for your message, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to your presence and to your words. May the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus is once again talking to the people. This time he is surrounded by those who think themselves righteous. So he offers a parable. A parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee is the upstanding person in the community the one who held strict observance to the traditional and the written law, often held pretensions to superior superior sanctity, and the dictionary definition is a self-righteous or hypocritical person. But that's just what Pharisee has come to know, and it's not the actual Pharisees, but that's what the Pharisee is seen as now, a self-righteous or hypocritical person. They saw themselves as better than everyone else. And you can see that in the text. Because he prays, I'm better than them. I'm Thank God I'm not for like them. Robert Leach said in his commentary that the Pharisee sees his status before God as a result of his own actions. Another scholar, Marjorie Proctor Smith, says Pharisees held to liberal interpretation of Scripture. And the aim of the Pharisaic law was to make observance of Torah make was to make observance of Torah available to all. So the Pharisee is the one of the church, the one who knew the law, who was to give the law. So he's up here, and then Jesus talks about a tax collector who's way, way down here, lowest of the low, seen as a cheat often took more than what they were supposed to. They were despised by the community. You could call them the cleanest, unclean person in the Bible. And most of them knew it. Again, Robert Leach says, though, by this prayer that the tax collector was ashamed of his actions. And Majorie Proctor-Smith says that the tax collector is seen as collaborators with the hated Romans. Far from being seen as humble or simple, they were seen to be, and sometimes were, venal, unscrupulous, and dishonest. So we have the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. And they both come to the temple to pray. Think about that scene. You have this Pharisee who's probably dressed very, very nicely, who probably walks all the way up to the front, in front of everybody, and proclaims his prayer. 
Oh, Lord, thank God I'm not like them. I'm not like the crooks. I'm not like the prostitutes. I'm not like that tax collector that's back there in the corner. He prayed not for himself or for God's glory. He prayed for his glory. He made sure that people saw him pray because he wanted that recognition. He talks about all that he has done and he compares himself to others. Then you have this tax collector. This one who is seen by the community as the lowest of the low, as a collaborator who probably barely made it in the door to the temple. Made it to the door, stepped sideways, and that's where he stayed. In the back, away from the people because the people didn't like him and probably didn't want him in the temple. But yet he stood in the back beating his chest, looking down, not up, looking down, crying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me. He didn't care who heard. He wasn't looking around for attention. He was praying to his God. Knowing that he was going to be doing what he was doing for a living. But see, both came to pray. And both came to pray for very different reasons. First, we understand that both are sinners because both are human. We can't get away from it. It is inevitable that as a human being, as a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus' Jesus's way, we will fail, we will sin, we will have moments that we need to repent of. These two both acknowledge that they need God. So as much as we want to look at this parable and go, the Pharisee was bad, the tax collector was good, we can condemn neither one of them. The Pharisee came to pray. He knows God. He didn't come to be just who he was other by, other, for other no reason but God. God put him in the position that he was in, but he had lost God because of his power and what he received of being in that position. The tax collector had money, was rich. He skimmed off the top or charged more than he should have to make sure that he could survive and live the way he lived. Yet he still came and prayed knowing that he needed God. So we must understand that, that these things are not justified, which is to declare or made righteous in the sight of God. 
The tax collector is seen as a justified person because of what he comes to pray and how he comes to pray. But is not also the Pharisee justified as he comes to pray? They both knew God. They both knew that they needed God. And thankfully, justification is based on love and not perfection or pride. The Pharisee was shooting for perfection and was very prideful in his position. And that's the way that he prayed. The tax collector knew what his status was in the community. He understood the hatred that people had for him and his profession. Yet he still came to pray. So what is this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector praying all about? Well, if we look at verse 14, it says, For all who exalt themselves will be humble, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's humility. Jesus is talking about humility because he's in the midst of people who were seeing themselves as righteous and who looked down on everyone else. He's talking about having a modest or low view of one's own importance in the world. But it's also about understanding that you are in need. Jesus doesn't directly criticize the Pharisee because he knows the Pharisee is still a beloved child of God. He knows that the Pharisee, even trying to look perfect, is still very, very imperfect. Jesus knows that the people of God will stray. That the people of God will do what they want to do at times. But here, here Jesus is telling us about how to be humble. That no matter how hard we strive for perfection, we most likely will never get there. That no matter how strict we are at following the traditions and the laws, it doesn't matter because we'll never get to perfection. We will have those moments where we will pray like the Pharisee, but we'll also have those moments that we will pray like the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We look at the tax collector, and that's his job. It's his title. That's not his name. Yet he's seen as unworthy. But he comes and prays, he repents, he, he, he doesn't want to really do what he's doing. But we don't get the story of how the tax collector actually operated. This could have been the one in a handful that actually did it right. That only took the tax that was needed by the Romans. That was very merciful to those who couldn't pay 
he helped them out or found a way to help them out. We don't know the story of the Pharisee. We don't know the position that that person actually held within the religious regime at that time. He could have been a collaborator with the Romans just as easily as the tax collector was. And he could have been praying because he had that status in the Roman world. So they come to pray. They come to pray in different ways, but they're still praying to the same God. One is very selfish, and one is trying not to be. The tax collector knew that he wasn't worthy, that he was looked down upon by the church, by the temple, by the priest, by the people. And he knew that he'd be going back out into the world and dropping sins left and right once again. But he still came to the temple and asked for mercy, seeking out God. We've been talking about prayer for three Sundays now, so here we go again talking about prayer. Jesus giving us another example of prayer. But do we come to this parable like the Pharisee comparing ourselves to others? Or do we come like the tax collector beating our chest, crying out to God? See, the question is, how do we stay out of the trap of comparing ourselves to others in a world where that is the norm? We live in a world that is segregated, a world that is just split apart by all these different things, by all these different analytics, age, race, sex, hair color, eye color. We live in a world that loves separation. But we worship a God who loves inclusion and togetherness. So how do we stay out of the trap? That's the challenge. That's what we as Christ followers, as people of the way, of those who follow and worship God, that's what we have to deal with every day. The challenge is to go out and to be the ones who have to be the cross bearers. We are the ones who are called to live within the beloved community of God. We are the ones called to live outside of society's rules and separations. We are called to live in a way that all people all people are beloved children of God. That none of our actions, our sayings, our doings, that nothing that we do separates anyone from God. Because God welcomes all and loves all. God didn't put any 
butts on the world. Jesus didn't put any butts in his messages. But we, as human beings, love to add butts. We love to say, well, uh, I just don't know. The people in Jesus' time did the exact same thing. They put butts at the end of God's words. But there are no buts when it comes to God's love. And we are to be humble in God's love. We are to live humbly as God's people. To live in a way that builds up others and doesn't tear them down. To live in a way that builds bridges and not walls. To live in a way that brings togetherness, not separation. To live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus spent time in the holy places. But he spent equally or more time amongst the people. He sat at the tables of the tax collectors and ate with them. He sat at the tables with the leaders of the time, both Roman and Jewish. He loved the ones who people said were unlovable. He went out and comforted the sick, healed the sick, healed those that had been imprisoned by spirits. Jesus is calling us to the same thing. Calling us to go out and eat with those that others will not. Called to go out to love the ones who others say are unlovable. To go out and comfort the sick and the imprisoned and the, the ostracized and those who are just being put down by the regime. We are to be the hands and the feet of Christ. But often we fail. So how do we come to pray when we do fail? Do we come like the Pharisee? Or do we come like the tax collector? Do we come recognizing that we are in desperate need of God, that we are no better than anyone else, that we all are imperfect, but we all are loved and beloved children of God? Back last year at camp event when I first heard the speaker say, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it, that hit here. Because it's not just the love that I have, but it's God's love that is within me. 
And that's what we are to proclaim. That you are loved. That you are loved. Rachel Hild Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday, said, We all long for someone to tell us who we are. The great struggle of the Christian life is to take God's name for us, to believe we are beloved, and to believe that that is enough. We are beloved, and that is enough. We don't need anything else. As much as we want the new technology, I love it. I love technology. As much as we may want that new truck or that new boat or that new SUV or whatever it may be, that's not going to fill that hole in our soul. God feels that with his love. God's love is bigger than any of us. And we are to carry that love to the world and know that that's enough. We're to go to share God and believe that is enough. We are to go and share the love of God and to believe that that is enough. We are to share the sacrifice and the mercy and the grace that we ourselves have received from God and believe that that is enough. So when we pray, we pray, God, have mercy. But we also pray, God, give us strength and courage and wisdom. Give us the strength of David, the wisdom of Solomon. Help us be the hands and the feet. Help us show God's love to all. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Our song of invitation this morning is I Am Thine, O Lord, number 419. Let us stand and sing this morning.
we depart this place, receive now this benediction. Go forth without shame to proclaim the goodness of God. Go forth to spread God's, God's love with all, giving thanks for how much you are loved. Go forth knowing that the wind of the Spirit blows you to where you need to go. And may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Thank you.